turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Hour number two underway now, eight minutes past 10 o'clock. Good morning. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday edition uh, of The Authority. And uh, it is the 22nd morning of the seventh month of the year of our Lord 2021. Don't forget, we get back into the political race, the Senate race, with Mike Gibbon, Senate candidate. He'll be joining me next half hour at 1035. But now we want to welcome back to our program Dr. Everett Piper for his regular Thursday commentary segment. Dr. Piper is a best-selling author. His latest book, Grow Up, is just killing it on the online Amazon charts. Uh, Dr. Piper is a weekly columnist for the Washington Times. He is also a past university president, and he does a podcast, a radio podcast, in Oklahoma called The Rebellion, something that I would highly recommend that you check out. Dr. Piper, it's good to have you back. How are you? I'm doing great, Bob. It's always a pleasure to be on your show. Always uh, an honor for us to have you. We've got three big topics to dive into today, and we're going to start with your weekly column in the Washington Times talking about the constitutional roadmap um, by which we should be kind of you know running our country. After all, the constitutional roadmap is the Constitution itself, along with the Declaration of Independence. But as you write, Dr. Piper, the National Archives Task Force on Racism doesn't seem very... Um, uh, intentional, at least, uh, to, to follow that roadmap. And in fact, they're taking us down an entirely different path. Can you explain? Well, actually, I'm playing off of this metaphor of a map. I'm taking it out of my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. And I'm applying a chapter out of that book to this particular story. The story is this. There was a task force established by our National Archives, and they re- recently came back and issued their report. Well, their task was to assess racism. So it was a National Archives Task Force on Racism. And do you know what their conclusion was, or is? That our nation's capital rotunda 
the rotunda of our Capitol building <laughs> is an example of structural racism. And that we should actually start posting, and I kid you not, they say this, trigger warnings before you enter the rotunda because what's there could cause emotional, psychological, and physiological distress. They say this. Now, I want to remind everybody what is housed in that rotunda. Our Constitution, our Declaration of Independence, the Bill of Rights. So our national roadmap, our map that tells us how to get from point A to point B as a people of liberty, a freedom-loving people, as a constitutional republic, is now being declared by these idiots in this task force on the uh, the, on the national rotunda, our rotunda is being called an example of structural racism and that it needs to be expunged and reimagined. That's another word that they use, Bob. Reimagined. Well, what will that be? Are they going to erase the Constitution? Are they going to disparage the Declaration of Independence? What in the world have we come to if we can't even agree that our founding documents set the maps set the course for who we are and who we will become as a free people. Now, their claim, Dr. Piper, I'm sure, because most of us you know, saw this story when it uh, first broke, their claim is it's not necessarily the representation of the actual Constitution and the Bill of Rights and the Declaration of Independence that is so trigger uh, warning, if you will, or needs a trigger warning. But it's some of the artwork, it's some of the paintings, it's some of the featuring of women and minorities, but not nearly as many as white men and just men. Uh, they want more equity when it comes to a representation of the national history. They want more uh, minority representation, more female representation, and Lord only knows how far they're going to go with the identity politics of the situation. So they're claiming that those are more of a concern from a... Uh, you know, from a triggering uh, point of view than than perhaps the writings that we speak of. Okay, so I'm going to make this point in response to that. Okay. Ideas have consequences, and the idea that they're espousing that you just accurately described is this, that somehow George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin, John Adams, etc., are bad because they're wealthy white males and that they are overrepresented. So who wrote our Constitution? They did. Who wrote the Declaration of Independence? They did. Who's responsible for the Bill of Rights? They are. So if they're bad, and we need to elevate others over and above them, then what are we going to do with the documents that they wrote? We're going to draw the same conclusion. Ideas have consequences. One of the most remarkable things, and I say this in my article, you know this. It's actually out of my book, Grow Up, Life Isn't Safe, But It's Good. I say this. One of the most remarkable aspects of our nation's map, our Constitution, with its Bill of Rights and its antecedent Declaration of Independence, is how forward-thinking its authors were, these white people that they're disparaging. They anticipated not only the issues of their day, but also how a certain set of ideas would impact the future of our country. They understood Locke and Montesquieu. They read Hume and Voltaire. They discussed Plato and Cicero and Socrates. All white people, by the way. They knew their Bibles like the back of their hands. They knew what Moses said as well as Jesus. They could see backwards as well as ahead because they knew 
what they were reading, and they knew the value of a republic over the ideas of Robespierre, and they understood freedom, the freedom of a covenant versus the bondage of a hierarchy. The reason our founding fathers knew this stuff is they read. They read voraciously, and they didn't read with a racist outlook, with a Black Lives Matter, with a critical race theory outlook. They read good ideas, and they evaluated the ideas, and they were colorblind. They weren't fixated on color as they did so. Well, they're t- the, the name of the group, the name of the, 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 the organization, the National Archives Task Force on Racism, told us that they were going to see this through the, the, the lens of race. Uh, there, there's no way that it couldn't have. The goal here was not to determine if there is racism uh, in, in the representation, uh, for example, of the Capitol Rotunda. It's how much and what can we do about it. So they were always going to find a problem with it. And I want to read a quote from it, too, Dr. Piper, uh, from the report by the National Archives Task Force on Racism. Um, it wants new exhibits that, quote, explore the role of women, enslaved Africans, and indigenous, Amer- uh, indigenous Americans in the founding of the United States, end quote. Another, uh, end quote. Another idea to, quote, stage dance or performance art in the space that invites dialogue about the ways that the United States has mythologized the founding era, end quote. So just to hit that last part there, that's right. The founding of the United States, as it's been told, is a myth. They literally say it's been mythologized, and they want a retelling of it through, again, the lens of enslaved Africans, indigenous Americans, and women. And again, I go back to the main point of my article. If you don't have a map, you cannot get from Ohio to Oklahoma. It's not going to happen. You're going to get lost. You have to have an aerial view. You have to look at things as if you're a drone. You can't be on the ground crawling in the mud on your knees and expect to get anywhere. These people want us to get in the mud. They want us to waller around and fight with each other like a bunch of pigs. They refuse to allow us to elevate as eagles and look at the national story, the beauty, the grandeur, the providence of our national story. They want to disparage it rather than celebrate it. And that's not a good place to be if we want to be a unified people. If we want to be a united state, we cannot keep fixating on being divided. Dr. Everett Piper is our guest as we uh, continue on AM 1420, The Answer. Let's move on to topic number two, Dr. Piper. And you are an evangelical Christian, a very outspoken one. You are a uh, Bible, a student of the Bible. You are an expert, as a matter of fact, a great theologian. And you are worried about the fall of Christianity or perhaps the rise of fake Christianity. And I don't know if those two things are mutually exclusive or if they feed off of one another, but can you tell us more about that? Well, this, this is a story that goes back to July 4th. It was written up in the Western Journal, and it's a report on a poll, a survey that was done by George Barna recently. Barna's an excellent pollster. You can trust his conclusions. Essentially, this poll finds that only about 50% of Americans currently look to the Bible for moral guidance. Only half of it. And only about 35% of Americans believe that the Bible is a historically accurate document. It goes on with other data, but the conclusion is this. Barna draws this conclusion. The church, the church in America is rotting at its core. It no longer has influence over culture because the church no longer even believes its 
own documents. The church doesn't have a map. The church's map is corrupted. The church doesn't look to the Bible for direction any longer. In fact, these numbers that George Barna is reporting of America at large are essentially the same within the church. Now, the problem is this. We're embracing what Barna calls moral uh, therapeutic deism. I'll say that one more time. Moralistic therapeutic deism. That's our new religion. Orthodox Christianity, Barna argues, is no longer the religion of America. It's moral therapeutic deism, where we just want to be moralistically good people, that we want to be therapeutic in our faith. In other words, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we may die. Just be nice people. Let's just gather around the pole and have a great big kumbaya hug. That's the religion of today. Oh, God may be out there, but he's just a nice, kind grandfather, like C.S. Lewis said, a senile uncle who just wishes you to have a good time. That's the religion of America today, not Orthodox Christianity. And again, without that compass, that true north of Orthodox faith guiding us, we're going to be lost. Because guess what? At the end of the day, if all that matters is that we just get along, be happy, and have a good time. Anytime you get in my way while I'm trying to have a good time, you become an evil person. You lose your freedom, and if I've got more power, I'm going to silence you. And doesn't that smack of cancel culture today? Dr. Piper, when did that start? We talk about this is the church of today, this MTD, this moralistic, therapeutic deism. When did it start? Are we talking in the last two years, the last five years? This has been growing for a decade or more. What what defines today as opposed to traditional Christianity? Well, it didn't happen just two days ago. I'll answer it that way. When it started, I don't know. But what I can tell you, Bob, and I, I'm not going to bore everybody silly with this, they're eyes would cross. But I wrote my dissertation on this very thing at Michigan State University back in the late 1990s. I saw it coming, and I recognized that the evangelical church, which supposedly is well-defined by the Bible, that the Bible is the definition of evangelical Christianity, I recognized that the evangelical church was compromising the teachings of the Bible and was dancing around them and avoiding those teachings. And I actually did my dissertation at Michigan State back in the 1990s on this problem that I saw coming. Wow, that's uh, that's amazing. So you're right, it wasn't two days ago. It has been something that's been growing, and now obviously it's perhaps uh, you know outgrown traditional Christianity. There may be more Christians who are drawn to this approach than traditional biblical teachings, which of course maybe is an explanation as to why we are where we are. Dr. Piper, we'll take a time out there. We'll pause. We're going to come back, and we're going to talk about Sports Illustrated, but not in a way that maybe we're used to talking about things like sports. It's the swimsuit edition with a twist. Dr. Piper with thoughts on that coming up next on AM 1420 The Answer.
Okay, 1024, we continue now. I've got almost six minutes left with Dr. Everett Piper to talk about this. You know, for a lot of us, particularly growing up, the Sports Illustrated Swimsuit Edition was about as close to seeing uh, beautiful women in ways that young adolescent boys want to see beautiful women. That's why in most school uh, library magazine racks, the Swimsuit Edition was taken away uh, because it was too risque. At least in my Catholic uh, school it was. Uh, it was too risque. Now, over the years, things have changed when it comes to the swimsuit edition of Sports Illustrated. They have gone to new and interesting places, and now they have gone to uh, a place that I didn't know if we would ever see them go, and perhaps hoping uh, to not see would be a better way of saying that. Dr. Piper, they have three covers that they have released this week for the Sports Illustrated Illustrated Annual Swimsuit Edition. One is of a Japanese tennis player. It's fine. It's pretty, pretty, uh, uh, pretty, um, uh, Benign, I guess would be a good way to say that. Another one is a little bit more risque. It features a rapper who does and says simply grotesque things for the purpose of, of making money. Um, her name is Megan V. Stallion. The third person nobody has ever heard of, and that's because this person's name is Lena Bloom. And Lena Bloom is not a female swimsuit cover model. Um, or cover swimsuit model is a better way to say it. Lena Bloom is a male. Uh, a, a biological male who believes that he is a female who is suffering from gender dysphoria and is having that gender dysphoria affirmed with an appearance as a woman on the cover of Sports Illustrated. And your reaction to that, Dr. Piper, is what? <laughs> I feel like just saying I told you so. <laughs> maybe, that's, maybe that's the theme for the next five minutes of the show. I told you so. Um, Stop and think about it. Everybody, just stop and think about it right now. Had I or anyone else come forward on the day of the Obergefell decision where gay marriage was made the law of the land, arbitrarily, by nine people in black robes, if I or anybody else would have said, look, this is opening up Pandora's box, you're not just going to have gay marriage because of the sexual confusion that's endemic to this decision, you're going to have a Sports Illustrated swimsuit model featuring a transgendered biological male pretending to be a female. That's what's coming next. I would have been laughed out of the room. People would have mocked me and ridiculed me and said, oh, you're crazy. We'll never go there. Well, here we are. And why are we here? Because we have no absolute objective standard of sexual morality, and we have no absolute objective standard of sexual identity anymore. We've chucked biology, we've chucked science, we've chucked the facts, and now we're celebrating and worshiping at the altar of Baal, the altar of Moloch. We're just celebrating the fact that somebody is delusional and pretending to be a female. We're going to put them on the cover of Sports Illustrated. We have literally lost our minds and lost our souls uh, we you know what, you know what I wonder, Doctor Piper, is is I wonder what the benefit is to Sports Illustrated for this. As I mentioned a moment ago, the Sports Illustrated issue. Now, this is pre-internet, I suppose, too, because you can see any manner of of, of things like this online and far, far worse. But the point is, they used to do this to sell more copies. I mean, young boys liked seeing, and even men, the swimsuit models. It was just like you know, wow, look at that. What what do they think that males 
again, which is the target audience of and the target customer of Sports Illustrated, what makes them think that average American males want to see a biological male dressed as a woman on what is supposed to be, you know, one of the most anticipated album or album uh, uh, magazine covers of the entire calendar year? You know, there was a. It's been years ago now, Bob. There was an episode of um, of. Uh, Oh, not L.A. Law. It was another. It was another sh- series like that. Okay, and they featured the, the episode featured what uh, they called porn fatigue, and that there was a crime, a murder that took place because the guy had become fatigued with normal pornography, so he had gone to other extremes, and this was on a secular show, obviously. The issue of porn fatigue is a real issue. You, if, if you're so saturated in pornography that you become bored with it, you're going to look for the next thing, the next stimulation. And I think what Sports Illustrated is demonstrating is that our culture has become fatigued with normal, quote-unquote, porn, and is looking for the next rush, the next titillation, the next thing. And that's a very sobering reality for us to be in right now is this an example of porn fatigue is sports illustrated uh exhibit a that that's where the american culture the american mind the american soul is right now i hope that's not the case because that is (laughs) that that's 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 very um that that does not bode well for our future if this is the direction that we're going but then again i don't know if it's worse to just say no they're just going for the woke dollar you know, they're, they're just trying to show and display their wokeness, which they think is the wave of the current and, the, you know, the present and the future. And so they want to make sure that they pull in as many of the, you know, uh, LGBTQ community and so on and so forth, saying, look at us, we're woke by our magazines. I don't know if it's worse. I don't know what's worse. Just that appeal to the woke dollar or the fact that, well, we need to up our ante in the porn game. Yeah, either way. Either way, it's uh, evidence that we have lost our mind. We have... We have a dark heart, and we've sold our soul if we can look at this magazine cover and not have a negative reaction. Either way, it's bad. It really is. Dr. Everett Piper, three great topics, three great explanations uh, and analysis. Thank you so much, Doctor. We'll talk to you next week. Take care. Bless. That's Dr. Everett Piper. It's 1030 in time for our news. And on the other side of the news, we get back into the hardcore politics of the U.S. Senate race. Rob Portman. Is stepping down, not running for re-election. Mike Gibbons is among the field that wants to take his job in the Republican primary. He will fight, and he will join us next on AM 1420 The Answer. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. 1035, and we continue now. I count 25 minutes left of outstanding awesome in this broadcast. And I intend to fill it with, uh, with a pretty good guy that's pretty awesome at, uh, uh, at filling time with uh, wonderful thoughts. I, I really have a lot of respect for this guy. I got to know Mike a little bit uh, 
really his first go-around when he ran in the primary against Jim Renacci for uh, the Senate seat that was held by Sherrod Brown a couple of years ago. But now he's back to perhaps fill the seat by a Republican. Rob Portman has resigned, or not resigned, he is uh, not running for re-election, rather, and a whole bunch of Republicans. We've talked to Mandel, we've talked to Timken, we've talked to Moreno, we've talked to, who am I missing here, um, uh, J, uh, to uh, J.D., um, Vance, and uh, we've talked to Mike Gibbons, but it's time to have Mike Gibbons back onto the program on AM 1420, The Answer. Mike, very good to talk to you again. How are you, sir? Um, I'm great, Bob. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you enjoying the campaign thus far? Well, it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, you know, we've been uh, traveling the state, and uh, uh, we just uh, uh, have decided we're going to begin our media push, and uh, we're getting it. We're anxious about that. Uh, uh, starting next week. so it should be uh, should be interesting. You um, you had an event uh, last month, or maybe it was at the beginning of this month. I can't recall the date in which you had uh, Senator Rand Paul in town, and uh, you hosted an event yes. with him, and he offered his full throated endorsement of your campaign for Senate. So congratulations on that. And uh, the you. reason I ask you about that now is because wow. Uh, Rand Paul is on fire. Uh, it seems like any time he's in a room with Dr. Fauci, a fist fight is about to break out. Um, you saw, you saw what happened, uh, uh, two days ago, uh, where he called, uh, he asked uh, Dr. Fauci if he wanted to retract anything he has said to the Congress before because lying, of course, is a criminal offense. You can't lie to Congress talking about the gain-of-function research being done at the Wuhan laboratory. Dr. Fauci said, you don't know what you're talking about. If anybody's a liar, you are. And the response to that from Senator Paul has been to refer uh, this to the Department of Justice, asking for criminal charges to be brought against Anthony Fauci for, for lying to Congress. So I guess my question is, where do you stand on all of this, knowing you have obviously this very <laughs> strong relationship with uh, with Senator Paul? Uh, this is, you know, this is quite the battle royale. Um, where do you stand on what's going on there with Senator Paul in this entire uh, issue of uh, of the cause and the origin of this of this uh, virus? Well, uh, first of all, you can, you know, obviously, uh, Dr. Fauci is not a Republican. Um, I haven't heard anything truthful come out of a Democrat's mouth in a good number of months. Um, Rand Paul is is. Uh, the last person anybody should call a liar. He, he's been consistently telling the truth, uh, for, for the years he's been in office. And, uh, and I'm firmly on his, in, on his side on this. Uh, you know, we've been manipulated. We were children. Uh, it's part of the whole democratic theory of government, uh, you know, treat, uh, uh, treat the citizens as if they're, uh, they're, they need help from the government in every part of their life. And, uh, and, and this is just in line with that. He thinks that we're going to buy, he said, um, he's, you know, contradicted himself repeatedly throughout the time he's been exposed to the American public. And, and I think that, uh, that Rand Paul's calling him out on it. And, and he would not be saying this if he didn't have proof positive. Uh, I know Rand Paul, um, you know, I, as, there isn't a, a senator out there that I agree with on more things, and uh, and, and I'm fully on his on his side, and, and looking forward to the criminal referral. 
It's about yeah, time. I, I am too, Mike, on, uh, on most in, yeah? matters. Yeah, on most matters, I yeah. stand with Rand, as as, as uh, the saying goes. Uh, and I'm so glad to see him doing this. Let's talk a little bit more about the issue here with respect to uh, COVID and, and the pandemic. Um, last night in Cincinnati at the town hall meeting, that uh, if, you, if you can call it that, the staged event that they had for, for Joe Biden with Don Lemon in front of a bunch of liberal Democrats on CNN. Uh, and I think it's smart of them, by the way, to put him on CNN so that fewer Americans can see him as few as possible, because uh, nobody watches yes. CNN. But, but this is one of this is one of Joe Biden's lines. I want to get your response to Mike Gibbons. The the various shots that people are getting now cover that. They're, they're you're okay. You're not going to you're not going to get COVID if you have these vaccinations. Yeah. So the, on, the, on, the on CNN, Joe Biden says, you're not going to get COVID if you are vaccinated. Meanwhile, the CDC and others are telling, and uh, others in his administration, including the Surgeon General, are saying, even if you're vaccinated, you have to wear a mask. Um, right. I fear that, that one of two things is coming. A mandatory vaccination order from the federal government or a mandatory nationwide mask mandate from the federal government. Um, how do you see this, Mike Gibbons, and how would you handle this were you in the Senate right now? Uh, well, I can I, I don't. Uh, right now, I believe, as far as, as I'm concerned, COVID is in our past. Um, you know, if you want a vaccine, you can go get one. Uh, you know, I, I got a vaccine. I'm out in the public a lot. Um, I did it as a matter of consideration to the people that I'm going out and, and seeing. Um, I don't know whether it's 100% effective. I think it's, it's, uh, it's relatively effective. If anything I can do, uh, you know, to reduce the risk of getting the, uh, getting COVID, I would do. Uh, I'm a healthy guy. Uh, you know, I, I have not gotten it. Uh, if I did, Probably should, you know, I'd probably be one of the people that, uh, that would recover. I don't have any pre-existing conditions or any comorbidities. Um, and I've been working very hard at one comorbidity uh, ever since I saw my introductory uh, um, video that we did. I noted that I had grown a bit during the COVID period, and I uh, kind of whipped whipped myself back into shape. Uh, but but I believe that uh, that right now. Um, the only people that are at risk are the vaccinated people. They've made a dis- the non-vaccinated people. They've made a decision for whatever reason, because we're Americans, we have the right to do what we want to do, uh, because that's guaranteed under our Constitution. And, uh, and, and if those people choose to not take the vaccine, they are the ones at risk. That is their responsibility if they get it. Um, you know, obviously you would be treating these people and, and, and giving them whatever aid they might need. But, but right now, t- to me, COVID's in the past. Um, the people that can get the vaccination, they have it readily available. People don't want to take the vaccination. They are putting themselves at risk. And coast, case closed uh, right there. That's, that's it. Um, you know, I don't think we have to continue to focus on this. They're just trying to scare the American public. Uh, it's, it's hurting our economy. Mike, 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 let me jump in for a second and talk about the mandatory part of all of this. There are bills in the Ohio, not that you'd be, you're running for the Ohio Senate, you're running for the United States Senate, but in the uh, Ohio General Assembly, there are bills uh, that would, uh, 
that would ban any mandates, forced mandates yes. of children to go to schools in K through 12 and Ohio uh, state universities and colleges. And there are also bills that are up there that are not being acted upon uh, to ban mask mandates as well, that it should be completely voluntary to anybody who wants to wear one. Would you support either one right. of those? I would support both of them. A ban on the um, you know, I, I, I mean, I don't believe that there should be a mandate. I think, as I said, it is the personal responsibility of every. They're on their own. This country is about personal responsibility. Uh, they have the option to, to get the vaccine, or they have the uh, option to stay at home. They're fearful of getting the, the, the COVID virus. Um, I don't think we need to go any further into it. I really don't. I think... Uh, uh, the incidence is way down from the, the from where it was. Yes, there's other variants that are out there, but uh, you know we, we're we're told, and I believe that uh, uh, that that getting the vaccine makes it makes it much less risky in getting it. Uh, there's absolutely no need for any further involvement uh, by government in mandating anything. I'm glad, glad to hear you say that because that's an important thing. There are a lot of people who are pushing, uh, you know, mandates in the name of public safety and public health and so on and so forth. And uh, I'm not touching it. I don't want anybody in my family to touch it. And in particular, we shouldn't because we all have antibody counts that are through the roof because we've all had it. Uh, but uh, sure. but I but I want like we say, my body, my choice. You made a choice and you explained the right. reasons, and everybody should have that same opportunity. I'm going to pivot back now. Mm-hmm to uh, last night in Cincinnati and give you another little clip of Joe Biden so that I can ask our next question. Well, actually, crime is down. Gun violence and murder rates are up. Guns. I'm the only guy that ever got passed legislation when I was a senator to make sure we eliminated assault weapons. The idea you need a weapon that can have the ability to fire 20, 30, 40, 50, 120 shots from that weapon, whether it's a whether it's a nine millimeter pistol or whether it's a rifle, is ridiculous. I'm continuing to push to eliminate the sale of those things, but I'm not likely to get that done in their terms. Okay, I'll stop it right there. There's a lot of lettuce in that word salad. First of all, crime is down. Murder and gun <laughs> violence is up. Wait, what? Crime is up in every major American city. It's been tracked. It's been noted. It's the largely responsibility of the defund the police movement. But then secondly, by the way, it's guns. It's not the criminals. It's the guns. We've got to go after the guns, including those nine millimeters that can fire 120 shots. Uh, and I'm seeking to ban the sale of those. Mike Gibbons, um, I don't want to just say, are you a Second Amendment supporter? I know you are, but my gosh, uh, your response to what you just heard from the quote-unquote commander-in-chief. Well, you know, it is, again, the Democrat narrative. Um, It's the guns that are creating the crime. Uh, I couldn't disagree more. Um, Have you heard of any concealed carry people um, robbing banks? Uh, Anybody with a concealed carry license? The people that have guns, for their own protection, which isn't what our founders envisioned, by the way. I mean, they, you know why, uh, why we have the ability to, to bear arms. Um, but we should have the right to defend ourselves. And, and it's the people that are buying the guns to defend themselves that are the peaceful people that are going out and trying to protect themselves. This isn't, uh, you know, it, it's too late. Well, Mike, he, he knows this, too. That's the worst part. He knows yeah. it. He, oh, sure he late, Later sure. in that same clip, he said that the people that are committing all of these crimes are getting their guns illegally. He said that. Yeah. He knows that it's the illegal purchasers or legal. 
Go ahead. Enforce the existing laws and get off of it, uh, Joe. Uh, I mean, it's, but, you know, it, it, it's the nanny state, the narrative that uh, that they're pushing on us, and, and, you know, we have to fight it. That's why I'm running for office, Bob. There, there's no way uh, that, that the government should be involved in our personal lives. And, uh, and if the, it's, it, when you have to call the police, the crime's already over. And you have every right, and it's guaranteed under our Constitution, uh, to carry a, a weapon, and and, uh, in, and it's the people that are are buying these these uh, guns. You know, as you know, purchases of guns are way way up, despite the, the Democrat narrative. And they're they're up for one reason. First of all, they think they're going to try and take the guns away, mm-hmm. uh, the people that are buying them, and they're going to stock up before before a ban's put on it, uh, because as you know, he's promised to take them away, and uh, you have every right to defend yourself in any way you see fit uh so i you know i couldn't disagree more with uh with our president here all right mike gibbons uh candidate for u.s senate this is uh what we've done so far is the low-hanging fruit it's pretty easy to separate yourself and your conservatism from joe biden and, and his leftism or Marxism, yes it is if you will. <laughs> but here's the big question now now let's now let's get to the hard stuff how do you separate yourself from the Josh Mandel, J.D. Vance, Bernie Moreno, Jane Timken, uh, Mark Pukita, and anybody else that's interested in this Senate seat? What makes you different from them? Well, I think uh, I, I can tell you I, I know my motivations are pure. Uh, you, you know, I mean, in fact, a lot of my friends go, Mike, you are nuts. You could be living a great life. Uh, you've, you've worked hard your whole life. It's time you spend a little time uh, joining yourself. Um, I can't do that knowing what's going on uh, in, in our federal government, with our federal government right now. Uh, I can't do that. You know, I, I, I my sons, uh, I've got five kids, as you know, Bob, and, and, uh, and I've got my, my two sons, are, uh, that, the, the, the two that are not in the military. My one son is a, a Navy pilot, and, and he's very supportive of this, but they're very concerned about uh, about me being a Republican and running for office because, you know, they feel they could cancel the family or, or somehow uh, or da- do damage to our family. Uh, the problem is I can't look them in the eye and, and know that I'm doing everything I possibly can to make sure their lives are, are, are much as I had in my life, the same opportunities I had, uh, the same opportunities that, that uh, I think all Americans have. I want to ensure that they have those opportunities going forward. Now, I, I have... Uh, Refuse to say anything negative about any of my opponents. Uh, I just ask the, the voters out there to look at our resumes, look what we've accomplished in life, uh, look what we've spent our time doing, how we've given back to the community, uh, how we've uh, some of us is, have uh, that are running have created jobs. I, I I'm an economist. I, I mean, I, I studied economics in undergrad, graduate school, taught economics. I believe that we need somebody in the Senate that understands what's going on with our economy right now. Now, I want to caution you, though. I don't think anybody understands what's going on with our economy right now. We are uh, the books I use that I that I studied from and I taught out of. You can basically throw them out the window. We're in uncharted territory here. Uh, We are spending money at a pace that uh, that we've never seen in history. uh, And there doesn't seem to be a limit. And uh, I think we're going to see um, inflation. And but again, when you when you start predicting things, 
You also have to look at other situations like this. As you know, Japan is still in the doldrums from the 80s because they built their debt up to uh, unsustainable levels. And and we could very possibly end up in those kinds of economic, uh, an economic quandary that they find themselves in. So I don't know the direction it's going. I know that I'm seeing inflation all around. Um, and, you know, we, yeah, we have what they call transitory uh, inflation in, in a lot of the pricing we've seen, the mispricing because of uh, the, uh, the shortages of various products and, and uh, in, the, in the whole COVID virus that, that's affected the, our supply lines in, in, in a lot of different industries. But I'm seeing wage push inflation. I know, um, you know, I, as you know, I, I, I uh, uh, run an investment bank uh, out of Cleveland here, and we have substantially raised our wages uh, to all the, uh, uh, the young people we're hiring. And we hire a pile of them every year out of the colleges and other business schools. And uh, we've had to substantially raise our, our salaries just to, at an entry level. I've seen the same thing happen. I have two sons. Uh, they're going with law firms. They're they're saying the same things happening in the uh, uh, in, in in the legal industry, and and uh, so those are just just two service businesses. But I see the signs around. I see signs that say, Mike, you know, Mike I'm going to have to jump in here because we're getting too into yeah, the sure. weeds on the economy and other things right now because sure. we're out of time. So so we'll talk more about that another time. But I just kind of wanted to give you a chance sure. to separate yourself. It's a big, crowded field, a lot of talented people in it, and I know you're in the thick of it. Uh, good luck with the continued campaign, and we'll talk to you again right down the line. You bet. Great talking to you, Bob. Thank you, thank you Mike Gibbons. Mike Gibbons for Senate. You can check out his uh, website. It is uh, gibbonsforohio.com, gibbonsforohio.com, and we'll be back after this. All right, good stuff from Mike Gibbons. Talked to uh, Dr. Everett Piper last half hour. Good conversation all the way around. Short segment here to wrap it up. We'll get a call or two in here before we're done. Uh, Michael called from Cleveland, wants to get in before we wrap this bad boy up. Hey, Michael, you're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, Bob, quickly. I know you're running out of time. Yes, sir. The Northeastern Ohio Regional Sewer District was ordered by the EPA a few years back to redo our sewers to the tune of $3 billion. So when we have massive rainstorms, we don't dump 4.5 billion gallons of raw sewage and drain water into the lake every year. I want to know, our wonderful Senator Sherrod Brown and our wonderful Congresswoman, head of the Black Congressional Congress, Marsha Fudge, got us no money for this. Our sewer bills have tripled, and we just looked at our property tax. They tacked on another $105 a year on our home for the sewer project. Now, they're printing money like toilet paper, and our wonderful, powerful Senator and Congressperson, did not get us a penny. They could not tack this onto an infrastructure plan or anything. And I want everybody to look at their sewer bill, and I want everybody to look at their raised property taxes this year, because it just came out, and see that we are now paying $3 billion for a uh, new sewer project. And it really well, infuriates me. Yeah, and you should be infuriated, and, and so should everybody impacted by this increase, because this is what infrastructure really is all about. 
This is what they're supposed to spend our federal tax dollars on. This is what we're supposed to have our representatives get for us. Instead, the infrastructure bill is three and a half trillion dollars, and and you know two and a half trillion of it or more has nothing to do with infrastructure. It's giving it away uh, as part part of the social justice movement and so forth to try to what they call human infrastructure, uh, as well as of course things that don't impact Americans at all, giving it to foreign countries. So you're right. There is money that is available for projects like this that are necessitated and as you pointed out this money was supposed to have been granted and they didn't go and bring it back um thank you for the call michael that's the that's why so many people are frustrated and disgusted by the federal government and all i can tell you rather not you all i can tell people like mike gibbons who i just spoke with or josh mandel or bernie Moreni, any of the candidates for senate are you listening to the people are you listening this is the kind of stuff that is going to be make the difference. This is the kind of stuff that's going to decide who wins and who loses. And this is the kind of stuff that's going to impact real people on Main Street every day. They can't afford extra property taxes because they won't, because representation in the United States government, both the House and the Senate, won't deliver on what they are supposed to get. So I'm glad you brought it up, Michael. Thank you so much. Thanks to everybody for listening today as well. We're back with a free-for-all Friday tomorrow. Claire Lopez, by the way, back on the program. We'll talk to her, and we'll talk to you then as well. Have a great day. Bye-bye.